0: You are listening to Talking I.O., a podcast about technology in the real world, where we discuss enterprise technology, how to sell it, and how it best helps your customers. Your hosts are Christian Cloud and Stuart Harmon, and we work for Dell EMC. Follow us on talkingio.com or on Twitter at talkingio. I.O. So uh, with that being said, we'll get started. So you're listening to Talking I.O. Uh, I'm Stuart Harmon, one of your hosts, and I'm Christian Cloud. So, as you know, Christian and I are part of your Dell EMC account team. Uh, I'm your national account manager. Christian is your sales engineer.
1: Uh, With us, we have Felix. Felix, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Felix Vargas. I am a senior systems engineer specializing in uh, SCDC um, uh, software stack with VMware. I've been at VMware for a couple of years. Uh, My background is in the data center, so I focus primarily on... uh, You know, everything VMware in my history has been anything data center from, you know, route switch to backup storage. So glad to be here today.
0: Great, Felix. Thank you so much for joining us and taking the time. We uh, are excited to have this as our inaugural episode uh, with a guest. You know, Chris and I have published a couple out there between the two of us. but we're gonna break this up a little bit, we'll go into a little bit of what's new and kind of how does it matter to us tech folks out that live and breathe in this world. Uh, and then we'll jump into to kind of some of our content here. So I was reading in the news this week, the scariest thing that I have read in quite a long time, uh, which is that there is a company in Wisconsin called Three Square Marketing, or Three Square Market that is asking its employees to microchip implant themselves
2: <laughs> to come to work. So there's a company in another country that's – I I can't remember where I read this. It was mandatory. In another country? In another country, yeah.
0: I also read that an airline in Singapore is making it, I guess, mandatory to do biometric facial recognition to get on an airplane for international flights, too. This world is getting scary, gentlemen. What are
2: we doing with this data?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so – what do you do? You're in Wisconsin. I don't know what part of Wisconsin. I can't assume there's a million jobs uh, that are out there. Do you, do you stay? Do you quit? Do you, uh, do you just? Do we, should we just accept it now and get over it?
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely would not. Uh, not an option. I'm not implanting myself with anything. That's, uh, that's scary I, stuff. We, we keep having this recurring theme, right? We've
0: talked about this on one of our top tracks is around security transformation and the risk acceptance. And you look at the millennial generation and how they just, they're perfectly okay with everybody knowing everything about them. They have no secrets. I don't know if it's just a generational thing. Like if you're 25,
2: you're just fine with it. So there's a new sneak feature in Snapchat that allows you to track your friends. And they said for the first time, millennials are pushing back on this feature a little bit. So it took Snapchat for people to realize that the privacy is at, uh, at the state. Do
0: they just have to get old enough to get married to realize they don't exactly, want to be tracked?
3: Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, to go along with that Roomba also wants to now sell full 3d images of your home. They say it's to make appliance people make better tail to better tailor their offerings. Uh,
1: you see that's scary to me because I, you know, is that information that they can take when you buy a Roomba and they just take your information and sell it to other people? I don't know what's the what's the agreement there. I,
0: I don't know. I'm assuming is it like a every time you use it and they 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 email you a new end user license that <laughs> you've just accepted it and you don't read through it and you don't know that all of a sudden they're 3D mapping? I don't know. That's just
1: extremely scary. Um, wondering what they're going to. One more for you too. Yeah. Just to add to it, so Disney Movies
0: now does facial expression recognition to see how their uh, movies are going to trend just by reading your face. Okay,
2: Stuart, thank you for the Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be
1: for that's right. that's uh, right. Skynet is... Skynet. They're taking over. I mean, that's crazy. Now they know what we're thinking just by making facial expressions. Uh, you know... I'll do pay-per-view. What
0: I think everybody should know now is that we are at the heart of the industry of delivering this technology, and it is completely our fault.
1: We are to blame. We are partially to
0: blame. I have a friend that just got laid off from IBM, and it it's because you know he exceeded very, succeeded very well, and they paid him good money, and then they found somebody cheaper to do his job, and he was really upset about it. And I made fun of him because he worked on the analytics sales team that sold the employee compensation analytics package to figure out to fire himself. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was (laughs) awesome.
1: (laughs) That's brilliant.
0: Wow. Uh, Little industry news. Meg Whitman's leaving the board of directors for HP. Um, You know, HPE's been having challenges. She led the split of the company between Inc. and Enterprise. Uh, I won't... You know, they have Dell. We've taken managed to take them over in market share, but um, Felix, Christian, you got any comments on what do you think? Do you think that's a good thing for HP? Maybe some fresh blood,
2: or yeah, tag I work for Dell,
1: right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's always good to you know have fresh blood come in. I think uh, HP has been making some interesting decisions lately with their acquisition, so uh, you know, a lot of that can be translated into confusion. So I think fresh blood coming in will definitely uh, help you know, right the ship there, but uh. That, uh, that's an interesting uh, article there,
2: an interesting um, blurb. Yeah. Uh, I, that statement.
0: I think that's just important news we should all know, right? I mean, HP. we all change regularly, right? Uh, so it, it'll be curious to see how that affects them. You know, I think if they fix, it, it's been long reported, right? A lot of their board issues are the board members have been around for 30 or 40 years and they've just had infighting. And, uh, you know, Meg Whitman, I think he's done a good job with the company, but uh, we'll see how it changes with a new new leadership, and if they can impact that that old style of, of business they've been doing.
3: Right.
0: Um, so kind of last thing I have on the docket, and I think it'll lead us into our, our main content. Um, Amazon has a secret healthcare lab and not in the scary Skynet type of way for everything else, uh, but they are working on in and delivering web services to hospitals. Uh, it looks like they're actually doing some uh, em- uh, EMR record and health applications that they're custom developing. Uh, I personally think that's huge because I think the healthcare industry is 10 years behind the rest of the world in the ability to adopt information. Uh, but I'm really curious to see what happens when
1: uh, Amazon gets a hold of this. Amazon is in, in, into everything nowadays. It's incredible. I mean, they have um, food, um, you know, grocery stores that they're acquiring. Uh, I mean, they're, they're they're everywhere. So I'm not surprised, but you know if, that's for the greater good, so that's uh, definitely something that uh, you know I commend. So, good
0: work. And I believe uh, I think they've done pretty good so far. You know, they they've broken some of the rules. The stock, you know, everybody says you can never have a you can barely have a hundred dollar stock, right? Their stock's over a thousand dollars a share now. Mm-hmm. Um, all of a sudden, they're like an old school GE or like a Ma Bell, where they've got right. their fingers and everything. You got to wonder when regulators are going to come in and start poking at them. Right. although they don't hold a monopoly anywhere
2: that that's the thing that they, they have their hands in everything but they really don't monopolize anything uh, they, they t- overtook walmart as the largest retailer but other than that where yeah. are they the monopoly you know can they be considered monopoly now?
0: they're equal to something like
1: 500 sears companies are they into self-driving cars now is that did they get into into that yet
0: well, you just broke the news. No, I, 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 you have
2: you think they have to be? They do a ton of AI,
1: right? I can I
2: see this is I can see them adopting self driving cars with the delivery of uh, Amazon Fresh and some of the other products. Of, even the drone conversation, like, it, right? I can see them adopting the self driving car at some point.
1: I actually yesterday, it's a, yeah, I saw the google um car you know the street view car taking all the pictures i had never seen it and uh, i saw it driving around and i thought to myself and there's probably you know not much time until those cars are self-driving and you know a person does not have to be driving around all the country it had um i live in the east coast and it had a california license plate so i thought that was interesting
0: that's interesting of course i think they just do that for uh, insurance purposes
2: right Uh, um you know i was just going to make one other point though regarding that last article healthcare is really interesting to me because you would think out of any industry or a vertical that healthcare would be on the cutting edge of technology and it's weird that they're very often not
0: they they aren't and you know they use excuses regulatory is obviously a challenge right that backs you up but they use excuses like we have to have our data encrypted Uh, this is unique and it's really not they just they haven't translated it um but i think that gives a lot of money there and as you move into cloud right they've been afraid of cloud for regulation for privacy security concerns curious to see what amazon is delivering there uh but that does bring us to our topic so we're moving into a cloud series we're going to go through three or four cloud discussions right uh we're starting off with this cloud foundation um some of our first questions and Felix, I'll let you tee this up. Uh, I, I love to ask this question of customers and it, it's great. The look that I get from them. Uh, cause it starts with, you know, you tell them you're in the business, you tell them you're an IT professional, and then I'll ask the phrase, what is cloud? And they stare at me. And then they kind of look at me like I'm a little stupid. And then they go a little slack jaw and then they can't answer cause You see them take a deep breath and they realize that it's a big question for such a small phrase.
2: Um, I thought it was because of my last name. (laughs)
0: And then, yeah, I got Christian Cloud sitting next to me. Uh, So, Felix, for you and for VMware Cloud Foundation, what is cloud?
1: Right, so cloud to me is you know somebody else's infrastructure when you're speaking in terms of the public cloud, right? And so you're leveraging somebody else's resources to spin up uh, the workloads that you you, know, you deemed uh, necessary, right? And so I think that you know at VMware um, and you know specific to Cloud Foundation, when we look at the term cloud, we're we're, we're considering both uh, uh, both private and public cloud, right? And uh, what that all means and how we can sort of migrate workloads between both, right? And so we have a, a private cloud. And now there is, you know, the proliferation of the public cloud. And there's Amazon, and there's Azure, and there's Google Cloud Platform, right? And then there's all these, you know, boutique offerings that are offering cloud. So, Um, from a, from a VMware perspective, we want to sort of eliminate or, you know, make those clouds invisible and provide that management console or the uh, the management control plane, if you will, for, for those various clouds. So it is a term that is often overused. And in some cases people are confused about what it means and it might mean different things to different people.
0: So from Dell EMC, we've really gone into the idea that, uh, hybrid cloud is the future. Right. And does this just continue
1: that theme? Right. Yeah. And so the concept of hybrid cloud is interesting because, you know, what really happens if you look at the market and, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, b is the, the leader from a hypervisor perspective. And, you know, you know, when you when you consider what hybrid cloud actually means and um, that really means having the same software stack both on premise and in the cloud. Right. And being able to migrate workloads um, seamlessly between them. Right. And having a consistent policy across both. Right. And so I think that that's where, you know, where we're going with this and where, the, you know, the, the challenge that, that we're trying to address, right? Um, if you're uh, on-prem today and you have vSphere and you want to go to AWS, then there is a conversion that you have to make. Uh, AWS is not vSphere-based, right? It, they don't have ESXi. They have, you know, some KVM KB, version of it, right? So it's uh, it's very different. Well, I
2: was going to say, you mentioned earlier that VMware was a leader in terms of... Uh, the vSphere product, how are you positioned to be a leader in the cloud space?
1: Right, and so the way that, you know, when we're looking at public cloud, what we want to do is um, offer cross-cloud services that aren't necessarily just based on um, your existing private cloud environment, right? Um, We want to sort of help customers that are in AWS. We want to uh, help customers that are in Azure. We want to help customers that are in Google Cloud Platform, right? And so what we're positioned to do is to Focus our efforts in, in in trying to you know modernize the uh, the the private cloud, but at the same time uh, provide services that help our customers in the various uh, public clouds, right? And so we want to sort of remain relevant, remain a leader, and uh, provide both networking capabilities, management capabilities for these various public clouds that our customers find ourselves in, right? Because let's be real, um, you know. Not all customers are in one cloud. I mean, you have a, 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 a private cloud footprint. You have workloads in Azure, Office 365 maybe running there. You have workloads in Amazon, maybe Google Cloud Platform, which, which are making a you know strong um, you know, presence in the market now. So I think that uh, the, the best bet and where VMware is focused on is making those clouds inbuilt, invisible and give you tools where you can manage workloads across those clouds, Right. And so um, you're going to see a lot of announcements from a VMware perspective focused on that.
2: Okay, so th- that's awesome. So it sounds like from here and what you're saying that cloud, f- cloud foundation is a suite of tools that are brought together. Is that, is that correct?
1: Right. So if we look at cloud foundation, right, and so everything that I've set up to this point is, you know, VMware's general approach to, you know, to, to the cloud and, you know, and pub, both pub, uh, public and private. If you look at cloud foundation, what we're really going for there is simplicity, Right. We understand NSX for the most part, right? And, you know, there could be customers that don't. We understand vSAN, we understand vSphere, right? And so the complexity of deploying these three together, right, in a unified SDDC platform that is optimized for hybrid cloud um, is what is missing, right? Uh, the easy button, so to speak, right? So I have these three components, these best of breed components. I want to deploy them on premises, right? And, I, and then I want to extend that to the, uh, the public cloud, right? So Cloud Foundation you know, has very, you know, various different flavors. Um, there is a, a, a private cloud offering right, that uh, simplifies or automates a deployment of these components, um, software-defined data center components that VMware uh, provides, and then also provides lifecycle management for those components as far as patching and upgrading is concerned. right? So that's really you know, the focus. We're focused on a unified software-defined data center platform that is tailored towards the private cloud and gives us the ability, which is incredibly powerful, of having an on-prem workload that is based on, um, you know, the software-defined data center, but then having that same software stack in a public cloud cloud offering such as Amazon, right? So that is, you know, unprecedented and something that is not available in the market now. And we're focusing on really bringing that hybrid cloud message and strategy to to life, right, with this with this solution. And we're we're getting a lot of positive feedback on it. That's great.
0: So you mentioned a consistent experience, right? And it's something that, uh, I think a lot of people have used consistent experience from it looks the same, but your APIs don't work, nothing talks. And it's actually a completely different experience. Uh, even though we say it's the same, uh, have you addressed that? And is that cleanly addressed in this product?
1: Right? Yeah. So a hundred percent. So these are the products that you, that we already know and love, right? So from a, you know, private cloud perspective, I mean, NSX, vSAN, vSphere, their integration, um, uh, is you know is just as it uh, is it is without uh, Cloud Foundation. What we're doing is just simplifying the deployment on that and providing z- uh, day zero to day two actions as far as lifecycle management of the various components, so that we can go from zero to a fully deployed environment in a very short amount of time, right? So um, so that is that is the goal, and then that consistency, you know, the, is the same in AWS as well, right? Uh, VMware Cloud on AWS, which is an announcement that was made last year. Um, and it's slated to go initial availability in the next few months. Is actually depl- uh, powered by Cloud Foundation, and it's deploying the same components NSX, vSAN, and vSphere, which is our software-defined software stack in AWS. Right, so you do have the you know the, the similar APIs that we've always had, and you know the, the robust APIs, and you have them now, um, leveraging the you know most scalable data centers in in the world, which is you know Amazon, obviously the leaders there. So.
2: So it sounds like this is the type of solution that's going to allow your customer to focus more on generating revenue and less time on just operational tasks. Right. As you get into, so I guess one more question on consistency
0: and, and uh, right is we get into our more advanced customers or more uh, software-centric customers that are starting to write into you know uh, containers, infrastructure as code. Will they be able to write the same? code infrastructure to deploy out on their private cloud as their AWS cloud foundation cloud?
1: Right. So as you know, if you look at, uh, for example, if you realize automation, right? And so in, in one of the things I want to do, let's not necessarily just focus on Amazon, although that is a great offering and something that is going to really change things. We have um, other partners that provide these services as well. And we, in the excitement of you know, the announcement of VMware Cloud and AWS, we often lose sight of that. And so we are partnered with uh, also IBM, IBM Cloud. Uh, we have some interesting um, VMware Cloud provider partners uh, that uh, are also a part of this program and providing these subscription-based services in the public cloud. But yeah, so if you look at, for example... If you look at, for example, vRealize Automation, which is our you know, automation platform, right, uh, both from a, you know, infrastructure as a service and platform as a service perspective, there is consistency as far as how we author these applications and um, there is um, diversity or extensibility as far as where we can deploy them, right? So you could use vRealize Automation to deploy workloads too um, IBM cloud that is powered by cloud foundation. For example, you could use vRealize automation to deploy workloads to your private cloud that is backed by your own, uh, hardware or, you know, cloud foundation, you know, which is what we're discussing today, or you could use auto uh, vRealize automation to deploy workloads to, to Amazon as well. Right. So what we want to do is give you options. Right. And so that's VMware, you know, um, strategy and we want to give our customers options as far as where they want to go what cloud they want to consume in a consistent approach uh, by leveraging this um, uh, um, software defined uh, data center uh, that is comprised of um, uh, tried and true uh, uh, software right so
2: okay so this sounds exciting but my question to you is who is this for like what is the ideal customer
1: Right. So, I mean, it's really for anybody. I mean, there are a couple of things that we, we need to consider, right? Um, if you look at Cloud Foundation, right, there is a requirement, there's a hardware requirement, obviously, right? And so um, in these in, in conversations that I'm sure, you know, you know, a lot of folks are a part of, um, you know, there needs to be a, sort of a, a moment where the customer is refreshing both compute and storage for some of these conversations to make a lot of sense, right? and so when you look at cloud foundation specifically um, there is a, a hardware compatibility guide that you have to follow in order to deploy these components right and the components that are involved are networking there there's you know compute specifically in the hyperconverged uh, uh sense right and so you need to sort of look at those components from a hardware perspective and the purchase needs to happen Um, of all of those components at once for Cloud Foundation to make sense, which is different than, you know, our, you know, other offerings where you're focused on, you know, just naked vSphere or, you know, vCenter and uh, you have, you know, sort of more options as far as, you know, installing it on existing hardware or, you know, there is more options as far as hardware is concerned, right? So this, this offering is an offering that you would say, hey, here are Here's a list of, of of hardware components that you can choose, and then you, um, from there, you can automate the deployment of our software tap, uh, software stack on top of those uh, hardware components, right? So I think that uh, while it is for everyone, right, uh, the, the customer has to be in a particular place where they're refreshing gear in order for this to actually make a lot of sense. So
2: I just purchased VxRail. Am I good to go with Cloud Foundation?
1: No. So currently, um, uh, Cloud Foundation is not supported on VxRail, right? So if you look at uh, the hardware manufacturers that we support, right, so there are two sort of um, methods by which you can deploy Cloud Foundation, right? There's a software deployment, and then there is an integrated systems deployment, right? The integrated systems deployment is more of a turnkey solution, right, where um, manufacturers such as... uh, um, uh, a DX rack for example or you know that solution the VX rack solution by you know Dell EMC that solution will actually um, that's on the approved list and they'll actually deploy cloud foundation for you right they'll image all, you know the, the switches they'll de, you know deploy the entire solution for you and then deliver it to you so that's more of a turnkey solution the other way of deploying it is a software based deployment where you actually as a customer go to the hardware compatibility Compatibility list and pick and choose the, soft, the, the supported hardware that you want to be part of the solution, and then you yourself can actually leverage Cloud Foundation to the, to image the switch, for example, deploy ESXi, and then eventually install the software stack in an automated uh, in an automated way. So those are really the two the two ways. And uh, you know, from a private cloud perspective, there's obviously obvi- uh, the public cloud, which includes IBM Cloud, which have um, uh, subscription-based offerings are, uh, um, you know, uh, public cloud-based, and also uh, the announcement uh, uh, that was made last year with VMware, the partnership with VMware Cloud on AWS, uh, which we're going to see interesting announcements coming in the next few months.
0: All right, so that's really cool, um, and I think it's important, right? Because our audience here, in particular, is a partner that has a lot of services to provide. Uh, what is the scope? Right, so VX Rack, we we is kind of wrapped into the the Dell's Dell EMC's converged platform division. Right, um, but if I'm a partner and i work with my customer and I want to take that work on, do you have an idea what that services effort is to really integrate vRealize with vSphere and make all these workflows and automations come together? Is that uh, well documented, where our partners can that are that are VMware experts can really go deliver those services for their customers.
1: Right. Um, right. So there is uh, plenty of documentation out uh, um, specifically uh, on that for customers that want to take on the challenge, and and that is our goal. Our goal is to make this easy so customers can do that, and customers are are doing that today in a more manual way. You know, a, a lot of the of our customers are sort of in that in that state where. Um, you know, it really depends, you know, what sort of hardware, um, you know, they're looking to deploy. But, uh, you know, the whole concept is let's give them the easy button to deploy this, this software, right? Uh, and there are options, uh, optional items that are come included as part of the software package, right? Um, so far, we've talked about NSX, vSAN, and vSphere. But, uh, but, yeah, so we want to make it easy for the customer. Right now, they're doing that themselves in a manual way. And they're dealing with upgrades themselves in a manual way. We want to sort of take that operational expense and decrease it so that they can do this themselves and deploy uh, our software stack in a, in a way that uh, consumes less time, so that they can be ready to deploy their workloads right sooner. Time to value is what we're really going after there.
0: Cool. So, you know, it's like every other cell with our, our, our that we're trying to work with with our. Our partners on, right? We're not particularly going after the system administrator, the server administrator anymore, it sounds like. Uh, we're helping coach those guys to really be cloud architects, to be VMware administrators, um, to be AWS experts, or, or Google Cloud, or, or whoever that partner is of choice, or multiple partners. Um, and then we really need to go talk to, it sounds like, for the larger organizations a good architect uh, if they have an architecture team that's really deciding next generation or be in front of uh, i'm assuming there's some point solutions where if the customer's not looking to rip and replace their whole data center we can still really go in and approach first and foremost um uh, a, a couple of unique use cases to get started and really get them bought in because i know you know nsx in and of itself is a bit of a change for a lot of customers uh to wrap into the software defined data center as well correct
1: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, NSX definitely is, is something that uh, customers are, are looking at for various uh, use cases. And it uh, it, it does take uh, some thought around how to operationalize it. Right. And that's uh, I think that in a lot of the conversations that I'm in is, you know, we're sort of transitioning into those discussions. Whereas a year ago, we were sort of or two years ago, we were introducing customers for NSX. Now we're sort of saying, OK, you either own NSX today and you're not leveraging leveraging all of its capabilities. How do we get you there? Or. Um, you're looking to deploy NSX, how do we sort of, um, you know, develop a roadmap for you to get to, you know, consume NSX and its full capabilities, right? So, um, there is, you know, definitely a challenge there. To kind of backtrack
2: in just a little bit, I'm kind of curious, who's the optimal person to to, to communicate this solution to within an environment? Would it be the CIO, a uh, chief innovation type officer, or an admin at some level. Like, what would be the more um, the more efficient person to speak with?
1: I think that the higher we get within the organization, the more success we're going to have because this is a transformational change, and uh, we need to sort of explain the value to the customer. I think oftentimes, as uh, as technologists, we, we you know we spend time talking tech, and I think that when we're we're talking about these solutions that we need to uh, sort of look at the business and, and, and understand what they're looking to achieve, right? And sort of align our solutions to those needs, right? And I think that that's how we're going to be the most successful. So the higher up you are, the more successful you're going to be at positioning transformational solutions like this, right? I mean, if a customer has NetApp and they're looking to expand their NetApp array, I don't think you need to, you know, the admin is perfectly fine. But uh, I think that uh, those conversations need to be ha- had at a higher level. Um, and then technical validation obviously needs to happen at the lower levels because those higher up guys are just looking for the thumbs up from the technical guys to make sure that you know they'll be able to get this to work, right?
2: So, would you say that on the lower levels, some of the technical people might need to uh, be retrained and have a new skill set than what they've been doing before? For example, a traditional server
1: admin. Right, right. I think that, you know, depending on who you're talking to, right? I mean, because we're, we're, there's a lot of value here, right? I mean, NSX, there's, vSAN, there's vSphere, there's cloud integration. I mean, there is a, there is a lot that can impact the business uh, favorably, right? And so sometimes the person that we're talking to doesn't have responsibilities outside of what they do, right? And so um, we need to make sure that uh, we bring in uh, as much sponsors, sponsorship for the from the different areas, practice areas within the data center, so that uh, you know we can really start you know uh, unlocking that value and, and getting them to realize it. Right, um, it is definitely a process, and uh, depending on who you're talking to, it, it can take you you know some time. But um, for the smaller shops that have two or three people, right, and so you have guys that have that have three people, this story resonates because it makes things easier, right. And it allows them to focus on more strategic tasks, right? So I think that that is a way to approach it with, uh, you know, from the lower guys. But it's definitely something that, uh, you know, you have to, uh, you know, approach from the the top down and really from all angles, right?
2: Wanted to steer away from vendor bashing, but do you have a question? How would you compare to uh, some products, for example, Nutanix or OpenStack?
1: Right. So if, you know, look at looking at OpenStack, we don't consider OpenStack a, a competitor at VMware. We embrace OpenStack, right? OpenStack is a very use-case-driven product, and, you know, it's a, a product that is near, near and dear to the developers, right? And what we want to do at VMware is empower the developers and empower the deployment of OpenStack, right? So um, if you look at OpenStack and you know, the, you know, thousands of ways ways that it can be deployed uh, based on uh, network storage and compute plugins, right? Uh, We have a product called VMware Integrated OpenStack, which simplifies that and allows uh, our customers to be able to deploy OpenStack on top of our software-defined data center, NSX, vSAN, and vSphere, in a way that is not only um, easier, right, and, you know, achieves, you know, uh, a shorter time to value, but also provides um, uh, support, right? Because as you know, with OpenStack, if there is... Four thousand ways, or you know, however many ways to configure it, right? There are snowflakes everywhere, right? And in order, in order to be able to get support for those different environments is difficult, right? And so what we want to do it. VMware is we want to simplify that deployment process and uh, and have a consistent way that it, that uh, OpenStack is deployed using bio uh, so that we can provide adequate support for those customers. So we certainly embrace OpenStack, we integrate with OpenStack, and we're going to continue to develop that relationship. Um, On the Nutanix side, uh, Nutanix is, you know, a a great product. I mean, you know, they're they're doing, you know, great things. And, you know, uh, we look forward to seeing them on the field and and compete. Um, I think that if you look at, uh, you know, the differences between the platforms, I think you'd notice that, you know, VMware, I mean, I walked into a customer yesterday that had vSphere running for 10 years. I mean, talk about value, right? I mean, I think we have a tried and true true hypervisor uh, that has, you know, withstood the test of time. Um, and it's, you know, it's something that you know a lot of customers own and what we want to do is improve that um, by leveraging NSX software-defined networking in vSphere because I can't tell you how many customers I walk into that say I'm losing workloads to AWS and they're, they're not sure why exactly that is happening and they want more workloads to remain on their data center and a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're not evolving as a, a private cloud providers and providing that Amazon-like functionality for the private cloud, right? So NSX is a big part of that, and, and, and so is vSAN. So comparing the, the two platforms, um, you know, I think that uh, from a tried and true perspective and the fact that NSX is uh, a mature product, vSAN is a mature product, vSphere is a mature product, uh, we have a, a platform that, uh, you know, we're looking to, uh, you know, we've had a lot of success with and we're looking to continue that success.
0: That's great. That brings me to what I think will be yeah. our last question before we move into our q and um, right. I believe a key tenant of cloud, and there's a few that you can look at, but one of them is end user self-service, not just developers. But how do you let the line of business or, or the teams that sit out in that business access and, and get their workloads and then uh, put it where it needs to run, right, and easily access that? It really sounds like Cloud Foundation solves for that problem. Mm-hmm. And then allows the IT department to really figure out, you know, where does that workload need to run? Should it be out on, you know, do we need to have that burst ability into the public cloud or should it be running on a private cloud infrastructure? Uh, is that accurate?
1: All right. So, you know, it's, so cloud foundation it's going to give you the find, foundation for that hybrid cloud model, right? For that uh, software defined data center platform. Um, The self-service aspect would come with uh, vRealize, right? And so if you look at the components that are included in in Cloud Foundation, we have NSX, we have vSAN, we have vSphere, and we have hybrid uh, 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 cloud manager or SEDC manager, which is more often called, right? And that provides lifecycle management for those components. Um, But once you deploy Cloud Foundation and you have that software-defined data center, right, the components that you're going to additionally plug in are via Realize Automation, right, which is going to provide that self-service catalog, right? So that is an additional component that uh, um, can be deployed on this platform that is ready to, you know, to uh, to have that deployed because it already has all those software-defined data center components that allow uh, those automation platforms to really thrive.
0: That's wonderful. Um, I just saw a a thing come out, and we'll have all of this out on our show notes. you can go to talkingio.com IO.com and, and see show notes for what will be episode two here. Um, but one thing I did see come out was that we're seeing that private clouds are costing four times less than a pure public cloud play, but obviously we need public cloud, right? We need to be able to use the burst ability and the elasticity of a public cloud, the flat scale that they have. Um, so I think there's a really exciting offering to go in, um, have excellent margins from your customers and really say hey look we can show you a new path we can help you deliver far cheaper than going pure private or public cloud we can have you give you the control and all the the features and the cost savings of having private cloud but still enable your business the way that your business business wants to be enabled um, this just sounds like an amazing product to solve those challenges.
1: Right. Definitely. So, you know, we're definitely, uh, you know, from a cost perspective, I mean, we, we certainly want to, uh, Um, you know, highlight the fact that, you you know, you're right, you know, the, you know, what you're, what you're seeing is in the industry, you have, uh, you know, startups that start up in AWS and as soon as they grow past a certain point, um, you know, they come back to the private cloud. I mean, you know, Uber is a great example of that, right? And so, um, you know, we're going to continue to see that, um, uh, you know, in in the future. And there was always going to be room for, you know, public and private. Private is not going away, right? It's just a matter of how do we manage these diverse clouds, right? And how do we provide value uh, to customers that are in in, the, in all these various clouds, and that's you know really where we want to focus. We want to make uh, you know private cloud easy, but at the same time, add value in the in the public cloud space as well.
0: That is great. As um, so we move into our Q and A section, Felix, do you have any other final comments you'd like to state on VMware Cloud Foundation, uh, state of our industry, anything?
1: yeah i mean i think that um uh, you know uh, we're going to see some interesting announcements uh you know coming out at uh, vmworld so everyone stay tuned um we're very excited uh we're poised and excited for, for for those announcements and you know thank you for having me i appreciate the opportunity and you know I'll be glad to join any any time in the future thank you felix if you can uh when is vmworld by the way yeah so vmworld will uh will start um uh, on August um, 29th, I believe. Actually, let me just uh, check on that just to give you the correct date here. I actually have it on my signature. So it's August 27th to the 31st, but the actual sessions, uh, I believe, begin the, tw- the 29th. And then VMworld Europe is actually September 11th to the tw- uh, to, through the 14th in, uh, in Barcelona. So this year's VMworld uh, US is going to be in Las Vegas, right? And so they're still uh, fixing the Mascani Center, at, and it normally is in San Francisco. So it's, we're back at Las Vegas this year. And uh, if you haven't bought your tickets already, do, and uh, come join us on August 27th through the, through the 31st.
0: Great. Uh, Felix, will you be out there?
1: I will. So, if uh, anyone on the call is out there and want to want to get coffee and chat, I'll you know be glad to do that. So, you know, I, I believe I fly in on the 28th, and uh, I'll be glad to you know sit down and chat and uh, and talk about all things VMware and anything in the industry.
0: Great. So, uh, we'll make sure to put your contact info up on the episode notes. Uh, so. I am unmuting the audience now. If you guys have any questions that you would like to ask uh, to this topic or any other, please feel free. uh, Just a quick note that we are recording this session. So uh, anything you ask, we will edit it out and we won't publish anything, but the session is being recorded. So from our Zones team, anything you guys got for us? Oh, wait. I feel like
4: it did. So this is Andrew. You can hear me. Hey, Andrew. You hear me? Yes. So one of the conversations you guys were having earlier kind of struck something up. where you talking about the value of the orchestration and all the different cloud products that were out there and that in the cloud generation needing to be kind of transparent to the client and to the developers and consumers of the technology? So I'm hearing a lot of buzz lately that the hypervisor has basically become commoditized, that that the people using the applications don't care if it runs on VMware. They don't care if it's on some Modified version of Xen, of AWS, they don't really care if it's on Hyper-V. The technologists may, but the business consumers don't. So I was just curious, based on that conversation with the approach of Dell, EMC, and VMware and that stance on commoditization, are we in agreement? Do we still feel like we have a competitive edge with VMware? Any, Any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I, I believe we still do have a competitive edge, right? And so what we want to do is continue to invest and innovate in our in our platform, right? And so I mean, I'll be a hundred percent glad to go, um, you know, toe to toe with any one of those uh, other hypervisors from a features perspective, density perspective. Uh, but more importantly, what what we should really be focusing on is the stability, right, of of the platform, right? Um, a lot of um, You know, customers that say it has been commoditized—that is not representative of the industry because the industry as a whole is still very much B-sphere from a public, uh, from a uh, private cloud perspective. And if you look at um, the folks that have successfully commoditized the hardware. Uh, or the hypervisor, they're really the Amazons of the world, the Google Cloud Platforms of the world, right? And we can't expect our customers to have the uh, the budget and funds to be able to sort of achieve that sort of commoditation by hiring all these folks, right? So I still think that... Uh, you know we're not quite there yet from a you know hypervisor perspective. I mean it is true from a VMware perspective that you know a lot of customers already own vSphere, right? So if VMware wants to be successful, you know we need to innovate, right? And we need to get beyond vSphere. That doesn't mean we don't stop innovating there, but uh, and that's why VMware, you know, we're very focused on on providing um, you know the control plane if you if you will, for those uh, various uh, public clouds. But that is an interesting topic, and, and I've heard a lot of it because Nutanix has a hyper- hypervisor now. There's always Hyper-V, but, um, you know, there is um, there is nothing like a, a, a tried-and-true, um, you know, hypervisor. And I always make the comparison that, you know, people are still buying Cisco, right? <laughs> they're still buying Cisco switches, even though there's, you know, white box switches and all that, and they're doing that for a reason, right? So I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely, uh, you know, you know, Leading there, and I, I believe we will continue to, to, to lead.
0: And I think we're seeing that across uh, everything we do as well, right, where he, commoditization, whether or not the product is commoditized, is, is fairly irrelevant. Uh, and a lot of what Michael Dell likes to invest in is things that are commoditized. It's how do you manage it? How do you take a long-term view, and how do you really integrate it into your operational environment on a day-to-day basis? And I think that's something we've seen VMware do exceptionally well. Because um, right. you have seen ESX become less and less a part of their, I think, the lead of their offering, right? In 2004, it was all about ESX right. look at how we can virtualize. Today, it's look right. at how we can manage. Look at how you can now do a consistent experience across private and public cloud. Um, uh, right, right it's exactly. not right we haven't i don't think we've discussed hypervisors once it's just a tool in the bag to give you that great experience
1: exactly
2: i always think of it as best of breed technology right dell has best of breed servers vmware has best of breed hypervisors um a lot of the uh things that are quote-unquote commodity commoditized excuse me um are still leaders in those fields. like uh felix said for a reason yeah anything else on that andrew does that answer your question
4: yeah, no, that, that answers my question completely. Um, you know, I think still when you're talking to a business owner, uh, the, the thing I caught there, who, who doesn't care about technology, right? The thing that I caught is, you know, stressing that it's a more stable and mature environment maybe. Because I think some of the business owners and consumers may not care as much. When you're selling to a technologist, they, they, they get it. And right. I do think there's a reason VMware is still the predominant technology, but sometimes in our job, as pre-sales, we're not always selling to technologists, and we're trying to move up the stack and sell to the line of business owners. You know what I mean? So having that conversation with that line of business owner and stressing how the technology is better than just you know using KPM, right?
1: Right. And and one thing I will add, and that's a, that's a great point, is that I mean, use the example that I, that I just gave. I mean, how many customers do you have? Because a lot of the thing you know, the stuff that we you know get dinged on or you know that come up is uh, around cost, right? Oh was too expensive. I mean, you have customers that have, still have vSphere running that had it 10 years ago, that have been benefiting from upgrades and innovation since then, right? And so we're certainly, you know, uh, you know, not more expensive. And I think that that is, you know, a point that we need to make when we're in those discussions, right? With with, with uh, when, when we go higher up the chain, right? Is uh, and you hit it on the nail, stability, right? Um, how many customers are running those commoditized hardware versions? How many customers are running production workloads on them, right? And uh, and you know and, and would you want to be the first one, right, in a 1.0 product, right, uh, to sort of deploy your production workloads and and you know take a you know uh, take a risk, right? So, but yeah, you hit it on the
0: nail there. And I, I think this continues a long running theme uh, around you know how do you modernize your data center? How do you streamline your operational processes. Um, You know, VMware might cost a little more than some players might not. uh, But the question is uh, that the cost isn't what's killing our customers. The the, what's really bogging down their operational environment is how many clicks does it take? How much manual interference does a user need? And I think really who has the best management console that can really make their administrators um, go do something that drives the business instead of clicking buttons and configuring tool sets that's where you're going to win. So you don't want to give that maybe message right. to your administrator you're talking to, but if you're talking to the line of business or if you're talking up the stack into a director or a VP level in your operations or architecture or development environments, uh, how much of that is put into the smarts of the tools so that your people are not tweaking knobs? And I think that's huge in the business environment. 100%. Yeah.
3: Uh, this is Mike Curtis. I, I, I would actually take that question one step further Hypervisors, I I think, you know, having the opportunity of having to deal with all of the hypervisors, uh, yes, all of the hypervisors (laughs) as a service provider, uh, yeah, literally, my last company, they they tried them all um, as a service, and I I can tell you, um, from what I see down the road, the biggest danger to hypervisors isn't supremacy of one of them, it's the um it is the evolution of how businesses are using their platforms and frankly it's it's the movement of people towards containerization the people of movements towards um, homogenizing their their everything below their present you know everything below their their protocol stack um, so you have things like mesosphere and DCOS, so that they can move in and out of different cloud uh, um, cloud providers in a uh, fairly seamless way and I, and I bring this to a question in this is you know I hear a lot about what VMware is doing with vCenter and and um, you know uh, cloud foundation but I'm very curious about how VMware is approaching um, containerization because I, I got to be honest that is the gradual progression of the industry
1: Right. And, and we are very much aware of that. And so from a VMware perspective, that's a very good question. And from a VMware perspective, I mean, we are certainly bought into containers. I mean, we have VMware integrated containers that is supported now on vSphere on, uh, uh, 6.5, right? And so um, what we're seeing is um, and what we're hearing from the industry is that, sure, you can deploy containers in a, in a physical Linux server, but uh, that doesn't do a great deal for the ops team as far as monitoring that, you know, those containers. So we're working to sort of... Uh, give the de- developers what they want, right? Uh, in, in the way of um, you know speed and agility of containers, but at the same time providing those uh, monitoring capabilities that the ops team needs in order to answer those questions coming from the developer team. Why is my app so slow, right? And so we're sort of want to bridge, the, you know, bridge that gap. But um, we have a lot of interesting things going on. Um, we have right now a, a, a BlueShift beta, and BlueShift is basically Kubernetes. Um, uh, enterprise deployment of Kubernetes tied to um, to uh, OpenStack or VIO specifically uh, from a VMware perspective. So you know there is a beta going on now where you know customers can join, and you know I've had a, a couple customers that are, are are looking to sort of um, their developers are looking to um, uh, or are yeah, playing with containers so to speak. They're not in production yet and are sort of you know uh, part of that beta test program. But um, I agree. I mean I think that you know containers is definitely um, you know, I, I don't want to say a, cha- uh, a threat to the hypervisor necessarily, because we're still in the infancies, uh, you know, right. of containers. And a lot of organizations, and I've talked to a lot of customers, right? And in my role at VMware, i you know, I focus on cloud automation, and I talk to a lot of customers from that perspective. And very few of them are actually leveraging containers in production, right? They're either playing with containers to figure out how they're going to uh, sort of deploy them. Are they looking to containerize? Legacy applications. Are they looking to actually leverage uh, containers from a development perspective and uh, you know uh, auto scale, right? Leveraging Kubernetes a scheduler or Mesosphere, right? And so there are a lot of discussions that are you know initial discussions, but uh, I'm not seeing customers that are sort of both feed in deploying containers across the board, right? But that's not to say us at VMware we're not taking it seriously. We certainly are. I mean, we're investing a lot of resources in that space, right? And uh, you know, we have Vic that's coming out, that is already out, and we have uh, um, you know Kubernetes support that is coming out. So we're definitely uh, um, trying to innovate as much as we can there, right? So, but yeah, that's a certain a good question. I gotta say, yeah, this I, sounds
0: like a whole other episode, too, to go into, well, not just yeah, right, containers, right. but VMware in particular on containers. Well,
3: but yes, I think is. you've gotten the right path. And one of the things I've seen is the biggest problem in containerization and people are trying to answer it. And some of them are doing it poorly because they're coders. Um, that was a, a, shot, a shot across <laughs> the bow of the coders Coder World. But, um, you know, they say, oh, we'll get Kubernetes, which I once referred to as the spaghetti soup of operations. Um, and that's, that's where you take spaghetti and you blend it, and that's spaghetti soup. Uh, it, it, it's it's a mess. It's it's what you do when you hate yourself. But, you know, they've tried to to fix that. I mean, Docker tried to fix it with... Um, you know a platform that nobody really wanted to use so they integrated it into docker and that really didn't solve it and then you know there's a, a lot of people who are trying to master and what they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to in an open source way do what closed source people do the best at which is create an interface that uh, is most usable by the business um, so if you can if you can provide that I think that's the real key there um, you know and, and then of course when you have a yeah, what is it? Twenty-four core now, or twelve or How many cores does the, the new servers have? <laughs> right. I mean, like even then, you're going, okay, well, do I do I have that many Docker instances in a small enterprise? Probably not. I mean, it kind of right, sounds right. crazy, but maybe you want to hypervise the the underlying hardware and then run Docker on top of it, which always always seemed a little weird to me, but it's possible. So I'll do a, I'll a plug for, a for the fourteen G twenty eight
2: cores on yeah, some of the fourteen G product products. <laughs> nuts.
3: 28 right. cores. Like, what am I going to do with 28 cores? I can barely handle four right now. <laughs> right. One
1: thing that I've noticed also is the customers that are leveraging containers, right, in, in production, which are very few, or are you know have container deployments. They're actually. Doing it um, without the ops team knowing it, right? And so when we talk to the ops team, they're like, "Are your developers using containers?" And they say, "No," right? And we talk to the developers, and they're well on their way to using containers. And then we ask the ops team, "Is have you had any requests for large VMs lately? Right, large Linux yeah. VMs?" And they're like, "Yes." And then, <laughs> and then you know, there there is your containers, right? So we're we're getting a lot of. Uh, you know ops teams trying to get education on containers cuz they're unaware of that cuz it's it's not relevant to them yet right and yeah. so it's it's an, it's interesting
3: right. well and, and, and the people use the people use containers all the time for things you wouldn't expect because you know i always say expect the laziest coder and you'll probably figure out where your architecture leads right i mean that's right. just what docker is it's it's a way that for a coder to not have to actually think about anything except how bad his code is
1: <laughs> right
0: all right, guys, we are over our hour. Uh, I know we got started a little late, and we greatly appreciate those of you that hung in for our technical difficulties to start with. Um, you know, Christian and I will be producing this every other week, so the second and the fourth Thursdays of every month. Uh, we hope you can join us. If not, we hope you'll follow us uh, on iTunes or on Stitcher for Talking.io. You can join us at Talking.io.com and listen to stream episodes there. Uh, you can reach us at... Talking IO on Twitter, and then Felix, we greatly appreciate your time today. Uh, thank you for being our first test subject. Uh, I would love the conversation. Uh, I think this Cloud Foundation conversation is excellent. We'll continue our discussions with a couple of the other cloud products out there. Uh, I think one that will be very interesting to everyone will be the Azure Stack and the Azure Private Cloud. You uh, know, it right. goes against the VMware, but you know, part of the Dell EMC families of products. Um,
1: yep. No problem. And, and then our goal,
0: you know, is to to make sure that this isn't just super focused on what we do. We want it to be an industry discussion. So if you guys have any comments, feedback, uh, if there's anything you'd like to bring – like us to go bring to the table, we'll go hunt for the, the, the experts and bring you the conversation. Thank you all for the time today. Uh,
2: yep. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks. This was a pretty exciting conversation. Thanks, Felix.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me. Appreciate
0: it. This is awesome. Everybody, thank you very much for the time. Uh, Have a great week. Bye-bye. Take care. This has been another episode of Talking I.O. With host Christian Cloud and Stuart Harmon. We appreciate you listening. Follow us on TalkingIO.com or on Twitter at TalkingIO.